Well, hey there, friends. Thanks for coming back to the Live Revised podcast. My name is Christy Browning, and I'm a motivational and inspirational speaker, author, and coach. And normally, we're coming to the podcast to give you some very tactical and practical ways that you can implement change in your life. But today, we're going to take just a little bit step away from that to talk about marriage, specifically those of you who've been married a second time. That happens to be my story. And so I want to talk specifically about some things that maybe we've learned or we've uncovered by having been married a second time. But if you're not married a second time, if you're married just one time or you're about to be married or you're wanting to be married, stay tuned because there's some good stuff here for you too that I think you'll enjoy hearing. So hang tight and we will dive right in. Well, since some of you have been visiting me here on the podcast or go to my website or have seen me talk or read my book, I feel like you all know so much about me, but it was just in a brief conversation I had with someone uh, that I know through business. She made a comment that she didn't know anything about me. And I thought, holy moly, I feel like I put myself out there a lot, but maybe not, maybe in all capacities of my life. So today I thought it'd be really fun to talk a little bit about marriage. Now I am married again, uh, like we said, in the intro for a second time I met and married my husband, Matt. And as I'm recording this, we are just getting ready to celebrate seven years together. And I feel very, very, very blessed and very, very, very lucky to um, have Matt in my life. A couple of podcast episodes, we talked about weathering life storms. And in some of that discussion, I shared some of my, my personal revelation and insight having gone through a divorce and that being a storm that I had to get through and sort of what kind of came out of that by going through that process and learning some lessons through that. And so I thought it was only appropriate to tell you the rest of the story. So it's kind of funny when I met Matt, I really wasn't looking to get into another relationship. I think that's the famous last words of every single girl on the planet. Uh, Cause as soon as you say that, you know, you're going to meet somebody. It's just how it is. But uh, I was in my mid thirties, uh, just was, you know, coming out of a divorce, trying to rebuild my life. I was in a really good place. I had a great job that I loved and was really uh, just starting to embrace life. There were still aspects I needed to heal from and things that I was working through. But overall, I was in a really good spot. And I remember one day calling and talking to my mom and telling her that I had met this guy. And I expected for her to be the voice of reason and talk me out of this relationship. But on the opposite, she said, you know, Christy, no one can tell you the timeline you're supposed to run in. It's nobody else's judgment call to say you should wait this amount of time or these amount of years before you, you know, get involved with someone again. It's if this person makes you happy and you feel like it's a good fit, like embrace it, go with it. And that was kind of all the encouragement I needed because I had met someone that really, really changed my life. And that was Matt. Um, the things that I loved most about him when I met him was uh, he has the greatest sense of humor. We laugh all the time, even when it's probably not appropriate. <laughs> uh, we laugh all the time. And I, I love that. That's just so important for me. I tend to be very focused and super ambitious. And it can get to the point where I have blinders on. And while I'm not 
I really don't consider myself a super serious person, but when I get focused on something, I kind of have a one track mind and I can get super intense. And so he knows just how to break that tension down and make me laugh and have fun uh, and sort of loosen up a little bit. And I think I need someone in my life who can do that for me. The other thing that he does that I really love is that he is not afraid of my ideas and my dreams and all the crazy ambition I have. It doesn't scare him. It doesn't threaten him. He welcomes it, but he always grounds me in that. So if I come to him with some crazy dream, like, hey, I'm going to launch a podcast. Uh, He asks some really good questions. He makes me think about things. And then he dives in to try to help me make it happen. And I love that. I need someone like that who can kind of point me through some of the the particulars that can make me sometimes have a reality check that I don't even have the time or the capacity (laughs) to take on something else. But I also love the fact that he's quick to encourage me and jump in with me and roll up his sleeves and try to figure out how he can help. Um, and he, he's an amazing cook. When I met Matt, I, I do not know how to cook. I mean, I almost burned my house down trying to boil water. That's absolutely no exaggeration. Um, I tried to boil water to make tea or hot cocoa or something like that. And I had just a little saucepan of water on the stove. I forgot it was on there. It boiled all the water out and it was just a dry pot on the stove. Uh, and it started burning and smoldering. It had been on there for so long. <laughs> so I should not be in the kitchen. I can tell you lots of horrible experiences <laughs> of me in the kitchen. I uh, made my brother sick once from trying to cook. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't need to be cooking. So when I met him, I was living on like convenience foods, um, frozen dinner type stuff, uh, quick, snacky, grabby type foods. Uh, I had no idea what I was missing. When we got together our very first date, Matt made dinner for me. And it was like, to me, it was this amazing gourmet meal. Little did I know it was going to be that way almost every night. Like he's such a great cook and he enjoys doing it. And I love eating it. It has resulted in extra pounds (laughs) since we've been married, but I love it. And he has a lot of fun doing it. I love watching him cook and we just have fun together in some of the most simple ways. But the one thing that I can say is kind of unique for us. uh, And I think some of this is just luck of the draw, but I think it's also intentional um, is the fact that we both come from having been married before. I don't have any biological children. Matt has two. And I have a stepdaughter who's going to be 21 very soon. And my stepson's going to be 18 in a couple weeks. And so when I met him, he had said, you know, at the time they were preteen, teen age. And he said, Christy, I don't know if this is going to be a deal breaker or not, but I have teenagers. I just need you to know. And I kind of was like, whew, thank goodness. Because I don't do little kids very well. It's part of the reason why I've never had any. They kind of freak me out. They make me very nervous. <laughs> and they kind of speak their own language that I have yet to figure out. We were at the grocery store the other day, and this little girl was trying to talk to us in the grocery line. And I couldn't understand a single thing she was saying. And Matt looked at me, and he's like, she's trying to tell you that she saw you in the store. And I was like, I didn't get that. <laughs> so I have not learned how to decipher kid code. Um, they're always sticky, and they're always high energy, and just like they just have not been my thing. So I never had kids myself. So when Matt said he had teenagers, 
I was super excited because teenagers, I can do. Uh, I've always said that if God wanted me to have kids, he would give me teenagers. And lo and behold, he did. And so I'm blessed to have both of them in my life. Uh, My stepson lives with me full time and just love that kid to pieces. He's just the hardest working high school student and the best 17-year-old, soon to be 18-year-old on the planet. Um, But we had to figure out early on because of all of those dynamics of the fact that you're coming into a a marriage with extra baggage, extra hurt, extra perspective, um, good or bad, because you've been through it once before. And I think that we all come to the table with the things that are good. We want to present those, all of our best assets and our best self. But there's always these other pieces behind the scenes that are just waiting to like show up. And sometimes that comes because we've been hurt. Sometimes it's um, because of a previous relationship. And even if you're not married a second time, if you've got issues, and those can be lots of things, they can show up and they will show up in a marriage. So if you have money issues or trust issues or, you know, physical, uh, feeling good about your physical body, like all of those things can like creep up into a relationship. And so when you're married a second time, I feel like everything is just amplified. Um, because for us, especially not only is it just me and Matt that we're working through those issues with, but we also have the kids. And if you have a blended family with other kids too, and it's kind of a his, hers and ours, it just continues to magnify what could very well be, uh, some dramatic situations to say the least. And we aren't perfect and things aren't perfect in our household by any means. I tell my stepson a lot that, um, he just kind of like got stuck with probably the worst stepmom of the year because <laughs> I didn't know how to be around kids as far as like living with them. Like I loved hanging out with teenagers. I'd done a lot of work with teens, worked in my youth group, you know, all those things like that's one experience. But then to have a 17 year old in your house living with you, totally different experience. And so I tell them all the time, like you've adjusted well, I am an old dog and I'm trying to learn a new trick and I don't always adjust so well. I went from having a life where it was pretty much just me and living on my own and having my own space and dictating my own time to all of a sudden having a husband and a kid that were in my space sharing, you know, the same counter space in the kitchen and the same living room. And we don't all function alike, you know, so lots of those kinds of day to day struggles and then even bigger things, right. That come up on a larger scale. So we aren't perfect. We don't always do everything right, but I feel like we've learned some really valuable lessons that's worth talking about and sharing. And part of that is one recognizing that our scenario is not the same as everyone and that what works for us may not be what works for everyone else. And that's okay. We can take notes and take some points away from seeing other families or other marriages work a certain way or do a certain thing, but that doesn't mean it always 100% fits into our dynamic. And so we've picked some things up along the way. We've adapted and maybe tweaked and changed those things to fit our scenario best. But knowing that we are not like everyone, we don't have to be like everyone, has given us some freedom to be okay with how our life functions and how our household functions. And I think that's one of the most important things that we have realized and lived by and have given each other grace and space to figure that out by. Um, And I think no matter who you are or what your family dynamic is, especially when you get married, whether it's your first time, second time, third time, whatever it is, 
you're coming from your perspective, your mate is coming from their perspective and blending those together, uh, sometimes means like giving up what you thought it was going to look like or changing your expectation on certain aspects to make things fit for what works for you. And I feel like Matt and I both did a pretty decent job of saying, this is what I did before. This is what it looked like when I was a kid. Here's the things that we used to do that I like. Here's the things that we did. I didn't like, here's what I would want to change. And now let's lay all these cards on, on the table and pick up the ones that really work best for us and how our family needs to function. And so I wanted to share a couple of those specific things with you and maybe give you some opportunities to pull from our notes to add to your playbook and maybe give you some different things to think about when it comes to building and shaping your marriage and your family and your household. One of the first things that we became okay with early on in our relationship was the fact that we don't have traditional roles. And I already said, you know, Matt's an amazing cook. And so when it comes to cooking dinner or holiday meals or anything like that, there's no fight. I do not try to take control in the kitchen. I let him do it and I'm okay with that. And he's okay with that. There's none of this, your job, my job, a girl's job, a guy's job, none of that. Um, I'm the spider killer in the house. He is not. <laughs> he cooks dinner and I do not, but I enjoy cleaning the house. So it works really well because he usually cooks and then I clean up after and something about the cleaning process is somewhat therapeutic for me. It helps me unwind. I like a clean kitchen. I like a clean house. And so that's kind of a-okay in my book. That works out well. But in other aspects, like we've realized that there are certain strengths and weaknesses in him and there are certain strengths and weaknesses in me. And we will do better if we recognize that sometimes that doesn't fit the expectation of what the world thinks a husband and wife should look like. So while Matt takes care of cooking um, and I take care of cleaning, he's also okay with the fact that I want to be an entrepreneur and own a business. And it's not always things that he can he would want to do. Um, he wouldn't want to get on stage and talk to an audience or do a podcast or write a book. Um, but he's so amazing on the back end when it comes to helping our business with their money or budgeting or planning. Um, you know, that's a skill set he has that I do not. And we've just become okay with blending that together. And it's not a threat to either one of us. Um, we don't feel like somebody is trying to control the other. There's this idea of, you know, we work better when we do it together. So in this equation, where do you show up? Where do I show up? And then what does that equal out to be um, when it comes to, you know, making a perfect picture, perfect picture for us. So we've just become okay with the fact that we don't have to look like everyone else. Uh, I remember having a discussion I was in a group of women. We were at a, either like a book club or some sort of a girls night out or something like that. And um, her situation was that she was married a second time. Her first husband had passed away. And so there was a, his, hers and ours type of scenario. So there was kids, on all kinds of the sides of the, of the spectrum there. And I remember there being a discussion about blended families and I had made some comment. I don't even remember what the comment was, but her comment back to me was, we don't use the word step. We don't have stepkids or stepmom or stepdad. It's mom and dad and sister and brother. And I remember her saying very knowingly that I would do better in my house if I would take the word step out of it. 
And I remember walking away from that conversation and thinking, I don't think I can do that. Um, one, my stepson and stepdaughter's mom is very much still in their life. And I would never want to try to try to take her place or push her out of the picture, nor would I want to be made on the same equality as her um, because I didn't give birth to those kids. My responsibility to them is not the same. Uh, and so I don't even want to be called like second mommy or whatever some crazy nickname it would be. I'm okay being introduced as this is my stepmom. Uh, plus, I don't know how else you do that, right? <laughs> and so uh, I thought, well logistically, I don't know how that works. And secondly, it doesn't work for us. And it just began this thought process in my mind that just because it's what everyone else does or someone else is doing in their family, it doesn't mean that's the way it has to be in my family. I also feel that way when I'm around other families at like my church, um, all amazing people and amazing families, but their family is way different than mine. And we don't, we don't fit the mold. And so I'm okay with that. And I don't make any apologies for that. Neither does Matt. And I think that's what's made us have some sanity because we're not trying to keep up with the Joneses. We're not trying to look like anybody else. Um, you know, we do what we do and we do what works for us. The other thing I think that's really helpful from Matt and I's perspective is that we haven't tried to brush under the rug or hide <clears throat> the fact that we have a past. He has a past with a you know, a past spouse in a past life. I didn't meet him until he was in his mid thirties. He didn't meet me till I was in my mid thirties. You know, we've lived life and there's things that we're proud of and things we're not proud of and things that we've persevered through and learned from, uh, which just makes us all the richer for this relationship. Uh, and if we can look at it like that and not see it as a, a reason to discount who we are, then I think it makes the relationship better. And there's more grace between each other because we recognize that we aren't perfect and we didn't always live a perfect life. I'll give you a perfect example. Um, when I was dating Matt, we had really hit it off and we were talking a lot on the phone. You know how it is in early romance stages. You know, you just can't get enough of each other. You want to spend every waking moment with each other. And if you can't be together, then you're on the phone with each other. And we had just really clicked and it wasn't because I tried to hide anything. It just honestly didn't dawn on me that in all the times that we were together and all the conversations we had, I had never told him that I have a felony and that I went to prison. And again, it wasn't because I was trying to hide that. It just was kind of you're caught up in the whirlwind of this new relationship and you just kind of are living in the moment and you may not think all that far back, right? And so I remember the moment it dawned on me that I had not told him. I was devastated. I was at work. I was in my office. Uh, and it hit me that I hadn't told him. And I just lost it. I mean, bawling my eyes out, ugly crying. Because I realized that if I tell him the truth, there's a very good possibility he won't want to be with me anymore. And the thought of losing something that I had learned to love so much was just going to break my heart. But I had to be upfront and honest. And when I, I called him on the phone, and had to tell him about it. It was kind of one of those moments where you talk so fast and you don't stop talking because you're afraid to let the other person speak. Uh, he let me ramble for probably a good 20 minutes. <laughs> and after it was all over and there was nothing more I could say. And so he had to respond. Uh, he said, I love you more now because of this, because I can see that you're strong and you persevered and you worked hard to rebuild your life. That just really makes me love you even more. 
And I thought, yep, he's a winner. He's a keeper. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to not let him get away. Uh, cause he just accepted me all of my faults and, and all that I had, even if it was broken, uh, he accepted all of me. And, um, I'm not going to divulge his past since he's not here to defend himself, but you know, he's not perfect either. And so when we accepted from each other that we have a past and we weren't going to hold any consequences or judgment over each other's head because of the past, because of what we did outside of our relationship, then that just made things work a whole lot better. The other thing I think we do that's really powerful is that we talk often And when I mean often, I mean, we talk daily Uh, and not just like, can you pick up the dry cleaning? We're out of milk. The dog needs food talk kind of talk. I mean, we really talk about our day, what we did, how we thought, how we felt, our wishes, our dreams, our goals. We have a lot of that discussion in our house, uh, especially between Matt and I. And we're very open about that. So I feel like because we have those conversations often that I can really be open with my fear or my hesitation on something or what I'm thinking, or if I have some harebrained idea, you know, I can bring it to Matt and tell him only to either get like more questions from him or have conversation about it or get a really big thumbs up. Like we just have that conversation a lot. And the thing I think for us is that we need that for us. Some some people communicate differently or think differently or need to express that differently. I need to be able to kind of talk through things. Um, sometimes I need to think about it and like journal about it and get it straight in my head. And so I will say, I've been thinking about this for a couple of weeks, but now I'm ready to talk about it. And he has learned that that's how I function. So I don't think he ever gets like freaked out or gets threatened at the fact that I've already spent a couple of weeks thinking about this. Um, We can just really be open about how we communicate, what we need to communicate, when we need to communicate it, Uh, which kind of takes me to the next thing we've learned. And that's how to speak each other's language. So Matt likes to kind of know the end result. He, um, where I am super fearless and I will just jump off and do something new without any hesitation or without worrying. Um, he's kind of the opposite. He sort of wants to know what the steps are going to look like, what the end result's going to be. He kind of wants something stable and safe and calculated. And I'm not always that way. Uh, so when it comes to us being on the polar opposites of that spectrum, we've just had to learn how to communicate. So uh, I need to know that if I'm going to come and tell Matt about this idea I have that I've been already thinking about for several weeks, I need to come to him not just with the helicopter view of that idea. I need to come with some specifics. I need to tell him if it's going to cost anything, how much time it's going to take, why do I want to do it? What's the result going to be? Is is this going to make more money for our business? Is it going to take me away from the business? You know, let's talk about all those specifics. And I kind of need to know how to anticipate those questions and bring the answers to that conversation. It will be way more productive if we kind of come to the table with that already in place. For him, he knows if he's going to sit down and talk about money or retirement, like, spewing numbers at me doesn't do anything. I don't communicate that way. I'm a dreamer. And so if he can come to me and talk to me about when we turn 65, which for me seems like a hundred million years away for him, it's going to happen tomorrow because he's a planner. But if he can come and share in a dreamlike fashion, 
this planning concept, then I am more likely to buy in. So instead of just saying, you know, we need to have this amount of money and this amount of percent of return and these amount of stocks by the time we retire, he can say, my dream for us when we retire is blah, 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 blah. And so we can talk about it in each other's language. And it just creates a lot of buy-in for both of us. Now, we don't always get that right. And it's not always perfect, but it does help us be a little bit more, um, sensitive to what the other person's going to need and to not interpret that need as blowing the air out of our sails or popping our balloon. In fact, I've kind of told Matt that he's sort of the whoa guy and I'm the wow girl. So like I'll bust into the kitchen with this wow idea. I'm super excited about it. And he's kind of the whoa, 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 whoa. Let's talk about what this means. How much is this going to cost? And so we get that. We get that we're on the other end of the spectrum from each other. And so we've kind of created this concept that if you're going to come with me with a wow, then I'm going to come at you with a woe. But let's let each other have that for a moment. So if I come in with a wow idea, I don't want him to rain on my parade immediately. I need to have an excitement for a moment. And probably in the next moment, I'm going to have another idea. So like, don't waste your energy trying to slow me down on this one because I got five more coming behind that. And he knows that about me. So he He's learned how to just kind of let me have it. And if she comes back tomorrow and is still excited about this, then I can be, whoa, 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 let's talk about a plan. And so just knowing each other's language and what the other person needs from the other has been so helpful. And it's not, hey, Matt, you need to come over on my side of the table and talk like I do. It's been way more, I'm going to come to your side of the table and talk like you do, because this is what will help you feel more comfortable with this concept or comfortable in this conversation if I can present it in a package that's more attractive to you. We have also had a lot of success in talking about things before they happen. And so especially when it comes to um, the kids or their education or our future we just try to be out ahead of stuff. And so we're not responding in the moment of that maybe high intense, high emotion position, we're able to kind of talk about it beforehand. And sometimes that means just having to be a little more present to think down the road, okay, what's coming? What's happening? How do we plan for this? How do we talk about this? What do we not do or do do in the middle of this situation? And that really has come uh, to play when we're talking about planning something for the kids or planning money, those two things, because I think it's an easy subject in both areas to get really emotionally spun out of control. Uh, And so when we can step back and say, okay, this is happening in a couple of months, let's talk about this now, then it just sort of circumvents this whole um, decision making out of an emotional spot. And it also helps us to be sensitive to what the other person may need or want or see with that scenario. So um, my stepson's finishing up his junior year in high school and heading into his senior year, which means we're right in the thick of ACT, SAT, college discussions, college prep, getting ready for, you know, all of that stuff. And it's an intense time for my stepson and for us too. And so we've already had lots of discussion about how we're paying for college, um, you know, his responsibility as a college student, our responsibility as college Uh, parents. Um, What does that mean for, you know, college planning and expectations and classes and career fields, all of that stuff, right? It's a whole ball of wax. We've already started really talking about that. And before we even sat down with my stepson to have that conversation, Matt and I have had many hours alone 
talking about it. Now, this may seem like a no-brainer type of thing to do, but I feel like in our really busy, busy lives, we don't make time to sit and have those conversations. Like I remember my mom and dad who will celebrate their 46th wedding, 44th wedding anniversary this year. Anyway, they've been married a long time and they had three kids and survived. So they must be doing something right. But I remember, you know, when my dad would come home from work, the first couple of minutes of him being home usually was him and my mom in the bedroom with the door shut. And they would kind of have like 10 or 15 minutes together before they came out and the whole family needed everything from them. Because if you have little kids, you know, like as soon as you hit the door, they need everything from you, right? And then I remember as we were a little bit older, after we would have dinner and we would clean up the kitchen, my mom and dad would either go out on their deck or back patio and have coffee and sit and chat. And it was kind of like their time. And we sort of knew that like we should only go interrupt them if we were dying, right? It was kind of their time. Or they would go for a walk and have that together time. And I know that those times were spent talking about the things they needed to talk about, fears, plans things coming down the road, us kids, you know, the things that happened that day. And they just created space that was for them to talk. And there was no interruptions. They weren't also looking at their cell phones because this was way back before people even had cell phones. (laughs) You know, they weren't being interrupted by us kids. And I just think that was such a great example. And I brought that to our relationship and we try to create that to you. And again, we're not perfect in doing it, but it does allow for us to have time to really talk and to hear the other person talk to you. It's not just about me talking because I could talk the bark off a tree, but you know, it's also about listening to Matt share equally. And so crazy enough, some of our most like connected times together, when we're going to talk, when we're going to feel close to each other, when we're going to have like a heart connection, as crazy as it sounds, is when we're paying bills. I know. How romantic, right? All the heart eyes right now. (laughs) But we have sort of set up this system in our house that every weekend uh, we sit down and we do bills. Now, Matt gets paid every week, so that makes it really like a no-brainer for us to sit down every week and we pay the bills for that week. But we also kind of have like the next month's budget somewhat projected. It's in pencil, so it can change. But I mean, we're majorly old school, like pen and paper, calculator, like no high tech function here. (laughs) It's just how we roll. But we have those moments where we sit down, we pay the bills that need to be paid right then. We plan ahead on, you know, whatever's coming in the budget. Does somebody need something? Do we need to buy clothes for Jalen? Does the dog need to go to the groomer? Do we need to work in oil changes for the cars? Do we need to, you know, save money for a birthday that's coming? Or do we have a special event we're going to? All of those things, right? Get put into the budget. And we talk about it. And we talk about the calendar and what's going on in each other's lives. And it just naturally spurs conversation to goals and dreams and wishes. And wouldn't it be nice if fill in the blank, um, those kinds of conversations happen in that moment. And I think part of it is because, um, usually we're doing that when no one else is around. It's just me and him. Uh, the TV's not on. The dogs are usually asleep or, you know, playing in the backyard. We're not rushing off to work or having to be someplace. It's just in that space. It's just about us two. And it creates such a great opportunity for us to talk. Um, and that has been 
something we look forward to every week. Not necessarily looking forward to paying bills, but looking forward to our future. I mean, that conversation naturally lends itself to looking ahead. And I think when you can start dreaming with somebody, that's when your hearts are really knitted together Um, because you're in it together and you're not just in it for today. You're in it for the future. There's this episode. I'm pretty sure it's a Seinfeld episode um, where Jerry's dating this girl and he buys tickets to go to, um, oh, it's, it's like to a baseball game or go away for the weekend or something like that. And he buys them in advance. So it's like something that's going to happen three or four weeks down the road. And he invites this girl he's dating. And George tells him, no, 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 you don't do that. Because, you know, what if the relationship doesn't last that long? You shouldn't go farther out. In a new relationship, you shouldn't go any farther out than like a week uh, of planning. And I laugh at that because in a new relationship, that's probably pretty good advice. But when it comes to being married and you're a team and you're a committed team, you know, projecting in advance and looking down the road allows for dreaming. It allows for conversation that creates a closely knit heart. And I love, love, love that we create those times and spaces for ourselves. So hopefully this gives you some ideas of maybe some things you can incorporate um, into your relationship. And we've tried to do all the other things. We've tried to have family dinners together to bring everyone around the table to have discussions. And those work for a short period of time. It's nothing we've been able to sustain over the long haul. Everyone's just going in too many directions. It's just really hard to do that. But we've just found that, again, what works for someone else doesn't always work for us. And we just kind of take that and adapt it to what does work for us. And so, um, you know, we have other great conversations with my stepson and as a family and other capacities. Um, and what we do together as a group is different than what other people do with their families as a group. So again, it's just finding the thing that works. And part of that has been, we've tried things on, we tried it out. And when it didn't work, we just sort of said, okay, that's fine. That didn't work. Let's move on to something else. And we've just become okay with being our unique selves with our unique makeup and, giving grace to each other that we're all human and we're all just trying to figure this out. And you may have a bad day and I might have a bad day, but we're in this together and everything is better when we come at it together. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Live Revised Podcast. A little bit different than some of the things that we bring to you here on this podcast channel, but I thought it was really important for us to just kind of peel back the the curtain and let you know what happens in our house. Um, I probably sound like a gushing, love-struck teenager talking about Matt, but that's because I really do love him so, so very much. And I feel so very blessed on the second time around the block to have him in my life life and it just is magic and I love him very much. So um, you, you all can be jealous that you don't have a natural cook that makes amazing food for you in your house, but I challenge you to find the thing that's magic in your relationship and to celebrate it and to tell your partner exactly what that is because they need to hear from you that you love them and this is what you appreciate most about them. If you liked this episode of the Live Revised Podcast, I would love it if you would share it with your friends. Either you can tell them to check out the Live Revised Podcast on any of the podcast channels that they might like to utilize. You can also take a screenshot of you listening to this episode and share it on your social media channels. I would love it if you would do that because the more people that get invited 
to this podcast, the more people that get to hear encouraging, empowering, and inspiring messages to change their lives. Thanks so much for listening, and I will catch you back here next week for our next episode.